This is the Marindo Podcast. I'm Brenda Gonzalez. And I'm Ana Sheila Victorino. This is the Latinx Podcast where we discuss politics, pop culture, and how to balance it all con calma. Welcome to the show. dropping this bonus episode during our break because we just couldn't wait for you to hear from our special guest, Tanya Saracho. Yes, Tanya Saracho is a playwright and television writer who serves as creator, showrunner, and executive producer of the critically acclaimed series Vida on Stars. The show, which is currently in production on its third season, featured all Latina directors in season two, including Saracho, who made her television directorial debut. Is that how you say debut? I hope Got so. Got it. Uh, both seasons of Vida had a writing staff comprised of all Latinx writers. That's amazing. So if you aren't familiar with the show, Vida is a drama series about two Mexican-American sisters from East Los Angeles. A death in their family forces them to return to their old stomping grounds where they confront long-repressed feelings and learn the surprising truth about their mother's identity. You'll hear me go into more detail about why this show is so special to me during our interview. On this episode, Tanya tells us about her trajectory to being an award-winning creator. You learn some of the behind-the-scenes magic that goes into Vida, and you'll quickly learn how she brings her authenticity, identity, and talent to the success of the show. Yes, and it was such a treat because we were actually, we went to her, to her beautiful, beautiful new Vida HQ. It was beautiful. It was amazing. So before we play our interview with Tanya, we want to share that we are on break for the holidays, but we'll be back with regular episodes late January. So this is this here is a little bonus for you. So uh, this is actually an excellent time to let you know that we would love your specific feedback to help keep Tamarindo growing. What do you want to hear more of, etc. Get in contact. You can contact us at contact at tamarindopodcast.com. And we want specific feedback. This is your opportunity to shape future episodes. But good news, even though we won't have any new episodes right, right away, we do have an event in the works. So we want to invite you to bring on 2020. We'll be hosting an event where we will come together to set our intentions for the new year. This will be in Los Angeles on January 11th from 1030 to 12 o'clock. So once again, January 11th from 1030 to 12 o'clock p.m. And we will be releasing more details on this awesome event. You could just check on our socials or our website, tamarindopodcast.com real soon, and we'll have all the details. Yeah. And now let's hear from the amazingly talented Tania Saracho. What's up, Tamarindo listeners? Brenda and I are back, and we're pumped to have someone we really admire on our show today. We have Tania Saracho in the house. Well, actually, we are in her house. We are in the post-production office. Yes, and welcome, ladies. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for being on the show. We're seriously so excited. So before we get started, I was hoping you would humor me and let me have a little bit of a fangirl moment. Okay, <laughs> sure. So um, for me, watching Vida is kind of akin to being a little girl growing up in Chicago. I used to love reading and writing, and I remember when I first discovered The House on Mango Street. Oh, and yeah. it was the first book that really spoke to my experience in a way that I could relate to. I had never found a book like that. And so when I saw it, it like, kind of like blew my mind, you know? And so 
with Vida, I kind of feel, I have that same feeling of my like, mind kind of being blown again because I've never seen a show that I, that I know of that it's mostly, you know, by, written by uh, mostly female, Bias mostly brown, yeah. mostly brown, mostly brown, mostly queer perspective. And just having that nuance in your writing and the complexity of the characters, it's just, it's beautiful. And I'm so grateful that you guys, that you exist mm, and that you, you are thriving and that you are renewed, that you have a season three coming up. And I think maybe a f season four, two at this point. Let's knock on wood. Did you know that I adapted a musical? I did a musical adaptation of The House on Mango Street. Uh, I on think the I may anniversary. have read that and doing my research. You know? and, on, on the anniversary of the book, I think it was 25 years for Steppenwolf Theater in Chicago. Like, what more theater is more? Yeah. Like, what theater is more Chicago than Steppenwolf? Um, and so that's so funny you say that because that, yeah, that that's one of the first times that I, you know, felt the same way. So it, um, it that book means a lot to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we, it, and it took for, you know, when I was adapting it, it was like, we had not had any other book, uh, have that much weight for yeah. our community and, yeah. and represent. And that's sad. It was like 25 years by the time I, in 2009, when I adapted it, I'm like, and you still couldn't find like where a better is book, the other right? one, you yeah. know, like, uh, or other ones that have represented us. Um, so, so like that, that's always been, um, like a, a mission, uh, for me because, uh, you know, I uh, speaking of Chicago, I had a, a theater company, a Latina theater mm -hmm. company. So this, I was telling you earlier that this whole office right now, this post office is all Latina. I mean, it's all female, this, which is not new to me. Yes. Matraca. Matraca for that. Matraca for that. <laughs> because post and post, you don't, you know, you don't, like most editors are male, you know? Yeah. Um, there are female editors, but just, you know, you have to consciously like seek out the female, but it's not just that, like our product, like our um post uh, uh, producer is Latina and like like it that's it's something that I ha, I'm carrying from Chicago yeah. where I had an all Latina theater company um, and it's crazy because we were like scrappy and poor and doing theater sometimes on the sidewalk um, for 10 years I ran it you know yeah that's and, beautiful uh, and it's it feels like the big adult version of that, you know, right, like how right. I'm doing this. So, and I want to get back to that, um, but I guess let's take a step back. And so, Daniel, you're the creator, executive producer, and showrunner show runner for Vida. And so for our listeners that might not be as familiar with the show or, you know, what those roles mean, can you first tell us a little bit about the story of Vida and how it came to be? How it came to be. Yeah. And what a showrunner is? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm still finding out what a showrunner is. <laughs> um, it, uh, so uh, Stars, which is a network, uh, uh, Prime Cable, um, they called me in, um, and I thought it was just to have a general or to hire me for one of their shows. Uh, I'd been here three years as a as a TV writer only when they called me in. Not I, I should say who called me in. A woman named Marta Fernandez called me in. That's super important, right? Right. Part of the story because, um, and 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 it will continue to be like integral part of the story. Um, she called me in and she was talking about this like article about chipsters and um, gentrification, uh, and you know, and we we like talked for a while about it, and then I thought it was like, uh, and she was like, "We have the show." Um, okay, well, I'm very interested in, in interviewing for that show. And she was like, no, we want you to create it, she said. And I was like, wait, hold on. I'd only been here three years. 
I, it was crazy for some, you know, anyway, oh, okay, I'll, uh, can you do something with this article, you know? Um, and I did, basically. Wow, like, so they literally just presented this article to uh -huh. you and said, create a show around this. Yeah, and that happens a lot um, the other way around. I bring the article or I bring the idea, you know, they brought me the idea. If not, you know, cause it, 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 I, I've gotten some shit about not being from Boyle Heights, you know, for, for, and, um, I understand that. Um, I totally do. And, um, th that's why I ended up with it. You know, they got the Chicago, Texas, Mexican girl, you know, to, to write the show, uh, because they pitched it to me. Uh, it couldn't be anywhere else, but, Boyle Heights, the way that, you know, because it was, that was the, that was the article. There was also, um, somebody had written like, um, not a short story, but sort of like a world building document about it, someone from the neighborhood. So like with those two things, I was like, I'm off. Um, so, uh, and yeah, so that, now I added the queer dead mother and all that stuff. But like the, the themes on the macro level, they, they gave to me, you know, but then they, and they also just let me add. And at every moment, it was crazy because when are they going to say no to me? Like, that's what I kept thinking. When are they going to say no? But I do think that Marta Fernandez behind the scenes was like defending this a lot because uh, she got it, you know, she like got it. Let's give a matraca to her. Yes, Marta Fernandez. We, um, I mean, it, seriously, she's, uh, I think she's the key because, so I'll tell you what a showrunner is, but like a showrunner right now, Latina showrunners, at this second, um, most showrunners are co-showrunners. They're sharing, like like um, most Latina showrunners are sharing the, the, the position. And I'm the only one who is has it on her own and I like like that I think that's Marta too you know um but but that 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 tells a formula that you should have someone on the inside you know and there's not enough people not not enough uh, people with a z last name in in these places so um but a showrunner is basically what it, the title says it runs the show but in every way so not just creatively um, so I'm responsible for the content, for it to be delivered on time. So like the scripts mm -hmm. to be delivered on time to a production that gets ready to like build the sets and do the co does the costumes and stuff. And then I'm responsible for every frame that gets shot. And then I'm responsible for every frame like now that gets delivered. So when you say responsible, you mean uh, both leading the, the process of it and also approving Everything, yes. Everything. So, like, let's say that half the season was directed by this other Latina, Janela Marquez, and she, um, uh, you know, it's her, they're her episodes. Right. But I'm there to make sure that our story gets delivered, you know? Um, like, she hadn't read the, the, the latter half of the season, so I had to be like, well, we have to have it this way because later on she's going to discover that and we need to look back to that, you know? So you are the, you are the keeper of the story, and um, it's a lot of... I, you never leave set. I, 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 there are other showrunners that do. And then you do. write as well, right? I, I, yeah. yeah. I, I'm so mean. I overwrite everyone. Like, I, they turn it in and it's great, but I'm like, I am such a control freak. Well, I mean, I think the quality and the continuity of your vision is what makes it so authentic and such a great show. So it's so awesome to know that you're responsible for all of it and, and La Mera Mera, right? We're here with La Mera Mera that makes it all happen. And so I have a so great cool. writing staff. A great writing staff. It's just, there's a weird voice thing that you're like, ah, I, I really know how Mighty speaks, you know, or I really know how Lynn would say that, you know. Um, so I'm sure it's frustrating to my writer sometimes. It was frustrating to me to be on other people's shows and me 
deliver scenes and then get them back all changed. But it was because the showrunner had a, a, the ear was tuned into something maybe I wasn't, you know. So I'm doing it, and I feel so bad because I have great writers. But, um, you know, you just know how it sounds, how it looks. Well, speaking on the, the writing process, I'm, I'm such a nerd. I'm very curious about the actual writing process. Like, what does that look like? Do you kind of first meet and talk about where you want to end up and then break it down into episodes and then you assign different right or can you speak a little exactly. bit about the writing process it's just like that so we're um we're in a room we have whiteboards and we start on the first day the first week with the macro like what do we want what do we want to achieve for each character this season like i think I was like, oh, uh, you know, we were like, Lynn loses her way this season. Um, Marty finds purpose. It, that macro, you know? And then uh, and then you, it's something called blue skying, where you just dream. Ooh, I want to see, I want to see drag kings, which we will have this and season. And at that point, it's yeah. like anything out of the picture. Yes, when any, you're blue skying, like anything yeah, goes. Blue sky, yeah, blue sky. And you have a whole wall of just like, Oh, we need to have uh, mazapan, like that, like that, like mazapanes, eh, takis, eh, you know, like that shit <laughs> that goes in there. And then, so you have the macro that you want to achieve, and then you have all this stuff. And then you start, you know, around when do you think they should break up? Around where, you know, and then you just chiseling. It's like you're chiseling. Mm -hmm. um, and then you go episode by episode, and then you go scene by scene. And that's how it works in a group, um, in a group setting, you know, and everyone, pe people pitch. Um, in our room, we sometimes we tell like our stories, like our sexual embarrassing exploits, you know, um, that kind of stuff. And that ends up, I'm like, oh, that's hilarious. I'm sorry that happened to you, but can we, we gotta do that. You know, there's something this season that somebody was like, oh, this happened to you in my date. I was like, oh, we cannot not use that. So <laughs> I hope she feels okay, but she said she did, you know, but, um, but that's sort of how it happens, and then you get more and more specific. And deadlines are looming, so um, then you got to get serious right away, you know? And so do you assign, you have a writing team, and then mm -hmm. do you assign, like, a main writer that writes the kind of the skeleton of the script, and then people feed into it, or how does that So work? then, So then we, uh, yeah, we assign a writer for, per, or uh, there's a couple that have two per, um, writers per, per uh, script, and then we now that because we, we've broken every every beat we've broken on the on, you know on the board, then we assign an outline. Uh, that outline comes back because that's like a story document, and then the network um, sees that and they say, "Well, no, well, they usually don't. They usually like what we do." Um, and then after that outline is approved, then they're off to script, and then they can go away and go you know uh, write a script. What we tried to do this year is write most of the scripts together. And I, th you know, so that we're all off on script, you know, like for a week or so, you know, or longer, I think. Um, and then the scripts come back and then, then that's when I'm in my house without a bra and in PJs writing for weeks, like re sort of rewriting people. Cause that then, cause th those drafts are the ones that end up, you know. Yeah. Where you're checking for the voice and the voice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and, or sometimes, um, they're, they're overblown. Like it's what we dreamt up in the outline is too fat and we can't get it in half an hour. So. We have to cut stuff. How do we cut the, how do we, you know, like it's like you kill your darlings, like they tell you in writing, you know, that's where the kill your darlings part. Um, and then that's how it happens. And how then happens. we shoot it. Yeah. You know, I actually 
know one of your writers, Jen Gomez. That's my and heart. And I, I met She's... her when I first moved to LA, and she was working on things that you know she didn't necessarily love, but like in the industry, right? Trying to get to where she is now to be writing on your show. So it gives me chills to see the what that she's a writer on Vida because I feel like that's what she would have imagined in her wildest dreams. She is the mo- I, I love everyone, but she's the most special like case to me in the um, she was my script coordinator when I first started. And so that's not she wasn't a writer the first season. She was like um like a copy editor sort of. Um and well, even I go back when it was just called Por Vida, because they had named it that. Stars had named yeah, it. Yeah, P-O-U-R, well, yeah, right? right. They had named it that. So I, uh, I know, and, and I inherited that name of the project, like, you know. Uh, and um, she offered, I had just met Jen, and she offered to, uh, I'll edit it because I'm terrible. You know, I had been here three years. I don't know how to use Final Draft that well. I don't know how to use the, the software that people use here for that. Um, so she was like, let me edit it for you. Out of the kindness of her own heart, she just, you know, because we we met somebody hooked us up. They were like, um, not hooked us up, but like they were like, um, there's a there's a queer Latina writer, and she had never met another one. And I was like, well, let's let's have coffee, you know. And she offered so, and then I hired her off of that. Oh, because well, that's what she was doing on Power. She was a script coordinator for a season, and I, and she was like. Yes, I'll say yes, but I just wanted you to let me in the room from the beginning, and which usually doesn't happen for script coordinators from the beginning. And I said, yes, of course. And she was so good at pitching. She got the world so much. The next season I made her, which she'd been waiting for nine years, so I think I made her staff writer, you know? And then this past season, third season, I made her a producer. So she's like a freaking producer. It, and That's she's dope. so freaking good she started a script coordinator third season's producer it's it's that's really cool I just like that story the fact that because she earned it there's yeah. no like she freaking earned it she's magnificent so getting into the show more specifically so brendan and i love season two uh we love the development of the characters just everything so we know you're in the process of finishing up season three can I'm you... in the third trimester of season three. Third trimester. You're about, to, you're about to pop the baby out. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thir- we're beginning of third trimester. Okay, okay, okay. At the end of February, <laughs> she'll be born. <laughs> so without giving any spoilers, like, can you tell us a little bit about what we can expect from Vida in season three? I know this world without a doubt now. You know, the first season was me learning to be a showrunner, a creator, a storyteller that is at the helm of something. So it, there, there's a lot of, um, you know, missteps in the first season. Maybe people didn't notice, but me, just like, oh, can I do this? Should I do it? You know, second season, they, and they gave me 10. I was like, yeah, I can really get in there and tell the story. And that season taught me, like, I know these characters very well. So, um, like... Now, the, the reaction to the baby queer, you know, notion of the third episode of season two, I was like, well, I want to keep furthering this, like, dialogue about how we police um, ourselves as queers and police ourselves also as, as Latinx, you know? Um, so that that happens. I'm so excited to... But be the style, not in a didactic way. We're not we're not here to teach anybody. We're just here to represent, you know? And um, so, like, we have this... Um, I'm so excited about showing people this queer cianera. Well, it's a double queer cianera that... Um, uh, and it's like, I don't know if that... Like, the double queer cianera uh, is going to be queerer than um, drag kings. And I've never seen drag queens... Kings, drag kings properly done on television. Like, can you think of a... 
a tiny Never. sop. But I'm, I'm, we're talking about like like the episode talks about binding, which is so big in our community. When do we talk about binding? Um, packies, yeah, which are um, flaccid penises that you put when you're doing drag. Um, the whole thing, like you know, uh, so that's super exciting. And then also, you know, you have queer relationships that are deepening. Um, so th- those th- those are exciting things. And then we get to touch on. Um, you know, especially Mexican-Americans of second, third, fourth generation, they don't feel Mexican enough. Or, you know, if you're a Latinx, like whatever country your parents are from enough, we're really dealing with that this season. So, like, it's just exciting to be able to... I mean, we got in deeper in season two. Season three is, like, just, like, way deeper. That's really exciting. I, uh, I My favorite episode was the queer wedding episode oh my in God, season I love two. It. And also that conversation that happened at that wedding, because that just felt so relevant and real to me. And so I can't wait for it to get queer as you're sharing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, that's the baby queer scene, the right? Baby queer scene, precisely. Yeah. But um, can you tell us a little bit more about Tanya and how that your authentic selves? Because I think that's probably why we're all drawn to the show—is all these authentic experiences. So tell us about you and how do you bring your experiences to the show, and maybe a little bit about your history, about like how does like tell us more about Tanya. Yeah, and specifically, I also may be speaking, I know you spent a lot of your earlier career in Chicago. I, I grew up in Chicago as well, and it'd be interesting to what hear part? a little bit about um, near Little Village, actually. Oh, I went nice. to school in Little Village. Oh, so. wow. Um, I, I lived in the same, 16 years I lived there in the same spot, and went, like it like got gentrified around me. Then by the end, they were calling it Roscoe Village, but like it was like Damon and, um, and Belmont. Um, but then, like, when I got there, it was just like, whatever, you know? But then they, like... What happens with gentrification, you know, the north side of Chicago? Pilsen is getting gentrified, you know? Anyway, I miss Chicago every day. I I haven't quite made besties with L.A. yet. Uh, Chicago has, like, a smell, a vibe. You can walk, the weather. I don't know. I miss it. Um, but the, I think Chicago has a lot to do with who I, I am artistically. You know, I, I had an all-Latino theater company there called Teatro Luna. Um, I ran it for 10 years. And, like, it formed me. Um, nobody told me, there was no male influence to tell me no. Um, or women can't be funny, Latinas can't do that. No, you can't write a comedy about abortion. Like, that, that no one was telling us no. When I started it, I was 22, and it just, um, we grew up together, it was 10 of us, and we just, like, we, um, we couldn't pay royalties, so um, um, we wrote our own stuff. But it was, a, it was a great way to be like, oh, shoot, I'm a writer, because I studied acting, and... Um, and then I was like a writer. And then I directed. Uh, I was like sixteen show, uh, you know. And now I'm directing here for be that. Like it, it formed me really having the space, the safe, very female, very brown space. Um, so like it, it, it was weird the first few years when I came here because it was it was a culture shock. This town, you know, especially TV. Um, Especially because, like, how they build... I, I just told you how we build stuff. I had only gone home by myself or a coffee shop to write, and I was the first and last word on, on what went into the page. But now I was working in the TV with a bunch of people, like, art by committee, which I was like, this. no wonder TV's terrible. But TV's not terrible. But, like, you know, when I first got here, I was like, oh, my God, this is insane. I hate it here. I wanted to go home every day. Um, but now, then it worked out because of that Marta Fernandez woman I love and now we're here but um about my queerness like all that stuff um in um in Chicago was like 
just part of my work, my per my person, my personhood was part of my art, you know. So like it it felt very natural to come and do this. I I know a lot of Latinx um, TV writers that don't want to be pigeonholed or they don't want to be considered Latinx TV writer. They want to be just TV writer. I want to be considered a Latinx TV writer. No, think of me that way. Um, I will never run out of stories to tell. We have so many stories to tell, you know. That. <laughs> stories that aren't being told, right? Uh, they have not been told. That's have what, not been told. You know, if you think about it, not, I'm not putting down Vida. It's not that, it's about a story about coming home and family drama. It's not that, like, the actual story is not that, like, out of this world. But the fact that we have not gotten to have that story, that's what makes it extraordinary, you know? But that's sad. Because, like, exclusion, that's erasure, the, the way we've been excluded for this long. It's, it's, um, it pisses me off when I start to talk about it. Right, and it feels like a lot of times, like, stories, like, we're going to make a queer story, or we're going to make a story, and, and it's, it's, you lose, it's, like, missing, like, nuance and the complexity of, like, exactly. our, our lives, because it's, like, we're trying to tell this kind of story, rather than, like, oh, this person happens to be queer, or this happens to be Latinx. It doesn't feel as natural a lot of times when you see a lot of Yeah, we're shows. archetypes. They, like, right. like, to show us right. as archetypes, as, as complex you know, uh, fully-fledged people. Right. Well, that's why we love the show. And, and you're doing important work. And we're coming to the part of our of our um, conversation with you. Don't be nervous. There's oh lots of fun God. things you can do I made here. A face. This is what we do with, uh, with all of our guests, and it's so much fun. So let's see where this takes us. So we can start with the... We've already given a few of these out, but let's give another one. So, Abatraca, what is the sh something you want to give a shout-out to? It could be a person, a place, a thing, a concept... Whatever you'd like, you can, uh, what is it, Blue Sky it? Oh, Blue Sky, just yes. Blue Sky. Um, you know what, all the brown women coming up in the, in this industry, um, I, I watch them, I watch them on, on Instagram and follow. Like, there's like directors that just finished AFI, people that I know because we come from immigrant families that maybe we didn't grow up watching, having that like model, I'm watching them. Um, just, I hope they know I'm watching them and I'm waiting to have, opportunities for them but they're coming up like I've seen them they're assistants right now but they just finished a short film like I, I see there's like a about seven or eight that I'm watching and I'm so excited because I think they are the future excellent so the future Tanya's of uh, of TV yes and storytelling great and then um, this is also really fun so what would you put in La Basura again person place thing thing uh, concept what are you done with like we're, we're about to hit 2020 what are you just like ready to leave in 2019 toxic masculinity toxic Heck machismo yes because it it, you know, we think we're 2019. It'll, it doesn't fucking die down uh, when it comes to our politics, our legislation, and when it comes to my father and my, like, you know, it, like, it doesn't die down. Why won't that freaking die down? And I just, I, I have no space for it in my life. But then yet we have to lidiar con ello. Like we have sí, to. La basura, la basura, masculinity for what's sure. The, what's the sound effect for oh, basura? Oh, there is one. Oh, Producer it. Jeff inserts it, and uh, it's, it's. Oh just, yes, it's a, nice. There will be one. Okay, and then too something that we've been incorporating on Tamarindo because we know this is all important to kind of balance it all out is to think about how do you find your calma moment or your activity or your action that kind of gives you a little bit of a break from all all the all the work that you're doing right now i wish it was like vacation and have time for that but some especially with this life there's no like there's maybe hours or half a day or something so i 
I hate bras. So oh I my take God, off yes. my bra and yes. I have a whole drawer full of sheet masks. Oh, I love this. Because you got to take care of your skin. Your skin you know, is you gorgeous. Gotta, so. Thank you. Well, every day, every day, that's probably really wasteful. Every and day? Every day I, love I it. do a sheet mask. And um, even when in the morning, because I wake up two hours before anything, so I have time. But like when I'm just relaxing, I do like an extensive sheet mask, no bra, like just be at home. I'm such a cat lady. And it's just that moment. But I those moments it. are moments of luxury. Because yes. um, I, I don't get it. coming em. home and just taking that bra oh, off. Yeah, but like bra at the, the door. moment of just freaking get the fuck off me. At me the door. Yeah. <laughs> Why do we wear... <laughs> Girl, I don't use them a lot of the time. But I don't really need ones. <laughs> Look, I've had a... Br- you have small titty privilege. Small titty that privilege. Is I privilege. recognize that. I've had rest reduction. Beca- and I still need to... I, I Listen, so you are, it is a privilege. Yes. My is there anything that we didn't get a chance to ask you while we still got you here um, in, in this by the way y'all this is a podcast but we're in a gorgeous gorgeous space we just set it up for you today yes. there's crystal we're having Incense. some tea we, we talked a little bit about about brujeria um, before yes. it was amazing a little ritual after this yes. probably maybe. yes we, I got the sage I got it all there's, I see the velas over there so oh, maybe yeah. <laughs> we have it all yeah so anything um, we didn't get a chance to ask you that you want our our loyal Tamarinda podcast listeners to, to know or to do um, we need to be getting getting ready for season three, right? Obviously, catch up with season one and two. That would be fantastic to catch up with season one and two. But also, there are shows that are coming. Um, Gentified is coming yes, on Netflix. Gentified. We have to support. Heck yes. Um, I think Mr. Iglesias is coming back. Uh, one Day at a Time is getting prep right oh, now. We're doing a matraca for them forever. Yes. That's my best, like, one of my dearest um, friends, Gloria Calderon Kellett. Um, shout out to her. Yes, yeah, shout out to her. And um, uh, so, so there's shows. And um, there's a new show, uh, Latina showrunner in town, called Sierra Ornella. She's native and Mexican. Excellent. And she just about to helm, like, a mostly, like, white show. That's, like, unfortunately, that's progress, you know? And she's f- uh, fabulous. You know what? If people can can tell like basically anyone's telling everyone's story yeah why can't we so, absolutely so we've been steeped down in that. the dominant culture for so long why not so like i i hope that we support those projects because that's what's gonna let us have the next be that too you know what i mean like um so so i yeah i want to give a shout out to all those all those shows because we should support i love it okay and where can people keep up with you what's the best way for folks I to mean, keep up I, with you i'm an overshare on instagram but we love it we love the story you guys have to follow her on it's instagram so dumb. She's the best. i definitely i know you're a cat lady no <laughs> because that's all and you diss on some christmas decorations if they're not good enough yeah <laughs> And I almost a burglar I thought came the other day. Like, but I put it all in there, and it's so boring. And I'm so sorry, but no, I'm still gonna so keep doing it. We, we love it. it. <laughs> <laughs> we have a double matraca. Yes, Anna Sheila and Brenda have a double matraca yes. for Tanya's stories. <laughs> thank you so much. You. We had so much fun. So much fun. Thank you so much, Tanya. Ladies, thank you for being here and for just being so sweet to me. Thanks for the tea. Tamarindo Podcast is independently produced by Brenda Gonzalez and Ana Sheila Victorino with sound engineering by Jeff DeVoe. If you were a fan of the show, we hope you will rate and review Tamarindo on Apple Podcasts or share Tamarindo Podcast with a friend. We'd love to hear from you. Follow us on the gram at Tamarindo Podcast or on Twitter at TamarindoCast and find us at TamarindoPodcast.com.
besties, and welcome to IEM Besties. I'm Stephanie Ramirez. And I'm Vanessa Casares. We're two Latinas coming together to create a space for heart-to-heart chit-chats on everything that matters. From relationship advice to empowering women, exploring spiritual insights, and healing trauma, we've got it all covered. We're your go-to besties, sharing personal stories, and bringing on inspiring guests for an engaging and entertaining listening experience. I am Besties, where you'll find laughter, love, and a supportive sisterhood. Join us and be a part of the family. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.